Hello, hello, and welcome. This is Rachel Amaday, and this is the Exercises Podcast. I started this podcast to go along with the book that I've completed and written, and it's finally been approved by the printer, so I am hoping everything is that much closer. Uh, to the book release, which I'm super excited about. And I'm calling this podcast The Spiritual Exercises because it is an attempt to exercise our thinking, to exercise our view of scripture, to exercise our minds, and to really learn and grow and be challenged. Um, And I hope that it's also just an incredible blessing. You know, there's this idea that the rabbis had that you would midrash, right? And a lot of times we treat our Sabbath Friday evening, we'll invite people over, we'll have dinner together, and we'll have a midrash, which is just basically a really good, fun, interesting, challenging biblical discussion. And We'll wrestle with scripture. And so that's what this podcast is attempting to do alongside the book. Um, so this week, I've been thinking about how appropriate in our time period that humans are compared to sheep and goats in scripture. Um, this sort of idea that uh, sheep will kind of follow anything, right? And they'll thoughtlessly do things. And I think we have so many cultural examples happening right now. But sheep are also very much into what's ever popular and what is everybody else doing. If somebody else does it, then you're going to have a whole flock following afterwards. Um, And I think people are behaving that way right now. I mean, the last few years of COVID kind of shocked me. I really thought Americans were independent thinkers. I thought they stood for, you know, individual rights. And I watched all of that go down the tubes so quickly during COVID. And it really got me starting to think about what does it mean spiritually to be a sheep? And why are we compared to them in scripture? And um, there's a good sign and a bad side, side to that coin. The good side is that if you belong to Christ, then he's your shepherd and you know his voice and you follow him. Uh, The bad side is sometimes we get out of alignment with the Lord or we actually don't know his voice because we haven't been trained to discern his voice from other voices. And so we see people fall away and follow really bad teaching. And it happens left and right all the time because it's easy to do. And it's why scripture warns against bad teachers and it tells us how to discern good voices from bad ones. So we'll get into that a little bit. But I also really wanted to explore the idea that everything is catching. And it has to do with our likeness to sheep, for sure, that we can um, be presented with an idea. And because just because that idea is even presented, suddenly take it on or enact it or live it out. And it's why in my book, I talk a lot about technology, about what we put into our minds, because just ideas being presented can actually take us away from a path and kind of put us in a bad position. If we're not testing those ideas against scripture. And especially for young people who are too young to really go and do those tests, it's really important that we are protecting our children from sinful, evil stuff. Um, It's why we talk about age appropriateness. It's why we're really careful about what schools we send our kids to and who is teaching our children, because this really matters. Ideas really matter. And so um, not that they won't be presented with those ideas later on in culture, but appropriateness, age appropriateness for a mind is really important for psychological stability, but also important for choices we make because our minds are so malleable and our habits are so 
so malleable. And we're that way for a reason. It's a really good thing. But then on the other side of the coin, it can be a really negative thing. So let's dig into this idea that everything is catching because I really believe that science and um, just uh, sociology tell us it's true. So I'd like to start with a story that um, I came across just a few weeks ago, and I wasn't aware of it when it happened in the 90s, but it is very, very telling about this idea that everything, including sin and negativity, is really catching. Um, And we have this social connectedness as well that... You know, the earth is created this way, right? We have a magnetosphere that carries information. It's a special planet, and we are especially uniquely linked, not only to the earth itself, and we have an effect on the planet with our sinfulness or our holiness, but to each other. So it's the story of a young woman named Charlene Su Chi Ying in Hong Kong in the 90s. And this young woman, I think it's on video, she was anorexic. You know, this was not popular in China at the time. It was in the United States and it was well known here, but not really a known thing culturally over there. But she was anorexic and she collapsed in public. And it caused kind of quite a scene. It was reported on the news. And the United States decided to send over people to educate the community over there about anorexia and what it was and, you know, how to prevent it and really tried to do a good thing by going over there and helping out. The problem was, instead of having the effect of making sure no one else became anorexic, anorexia exploded in Hong Kong and in China. And all of a sudden, the idea was out there and people were accepting it. And there's a lot of reasons people put forward forward for this, I think one of the most compelling ones is the idea that when people are in pain and when they're suffering, they're looking for a way to manage or deal with that suffering. And there are all sorts of really bad coping mechanisms. And so people who were suffering looked at this new concept of just controlling food, and that idea took hold. You know, I can't control my life. I can't control, you know, the negative stuff, but I certainly can control what I'm putting in my mouth. And so suddenly anorexia exploded, even though it's the wrong answer for pain. It's harmful to your body and your mind. It was catching. The idea was catching and people took it up. We see this in study after study on suicide as well. If a suicide happens in a family or community, suddenly you might have a rash of suicides happening all over the place. Again, it's this weird answer that comes up for people that they go, well, maybe that's how I can deal with my pain. Maybe I can just get rid of myself. Just the idea being presented is so influential to people. According to Pew Research, since 2017, there are growing shares of people who know someone transgendered or someone who goes by gender-neutral pronouns. What was absolutely almost unheard of previously is rising exponentially right now. The rise of, in 2010 till now has been 5 to 8%. It's just in five years. It's grown in certain places at almost 10% rate. And according to data, the number of abortions peaked in the 90s, so when they started you know, it was right around um, 616,000 abortions, okay, in 1973, right at the beginning of the abortion craze. And it just grew and it grew and it grew and it grew exponentially until the 90s. Um, in 1994, 1. 1.4 million abortions happened. And that idea just took hold. 
But what's interesting about the abortion trend is that it shows a good side of an idea taking hold that in the 90s was kind of the first time period where 3D imaging of unborn babies was introduced to the general public. And I really do believe it contributed greatly to, after the 90s, a decline in abortion because lots of young people saw their younger siblings in 3D and just knew that's a person. It has a face. They suck their thumbs. They move around and kick. They respond to noise and sound. They respond to mom's voice. They respond to music. And because you could see it and you could get these images, that I really think it was a new idea that influenced people in the opposite direction. It influenced people for the good. Um, so from 1994, where 1.4 million abortions occurred, the last year, I think it, let me look here. Yeah, last year we had 630,000 abortions in this country, an incredible drop since that time period. So it's interesting, once again, we see there different ideas are catching, right? And just the idea that, hey, that's a human life in there, just being able to see it has changed people's minds about abortion. And we see this too. There's a great group, and I can't remember the name of them, but they'll do an ultrasound for a woman before she decides to have an abortion. And they find a lot of the time that ultrasound changes the woman's mind because just being able to actually hear a heartbeat and recognize this is a human being that's growing. This is a life. It's a human life. And the second that I get an abortion, that heartbeat stops, that idea changes minds. It's a powerful idea. One more catching thing. Between 2010 and 2019, the increase of people using drugs rose 22% and increased even more during the pandemic. Again, just making certain drugs available and talking about them. Legalization of drugs here in Colorado, legalization of marijuana, recreational use of marijuana, has absolutely transformed our state in a very negative way. We have so many people here now who are users and abusers. Our city, beautiful city of Denver, is being overrun by drug addicts and the homeless. And there is not a good answer because a lot of liberals won't admit and do not understand, number one, and there's a lot of scientific proof of this, weed use does create psychosis. And it's very dangerous for young people to use. And young people do not understand this, but talk to people who work in hospitals and look at the data. It's out there and available. It's bad for society. But just presenting this idea that, oh, it's not a big deal and you can use it recreationally and it won't do anything to you, man, that was a gateway into a, a whole negative rash of drug use that's been occurring now that is overall a net negative for people. So have you ever, I mean, I wonder, have, have we really sat down and thought about the Bible's analogy between people and sheep and how it just shows itself in society so readily? I mean, those examples that I just gave are just a few of them, that just introducing certain ideas to people can cause all sorts of different things to take place. I think the United States is actually a great example of this, that deciding that we were going to be a country and fighting for liberty and then pushing for an end to slavery in this country with the um the beginning of the Republican party and with um you know 
some incredible leadership here. It changed the world. Those ideas changed the world. And I believe changed the world for the better because we did become a leader in ending the global slave trade as it was during that time. Unfortunately, I think we're doing a different version of that now, but um, I talk about that in some other podcasts. Um, But we had an incredible influence in that regard. Those ideas really are a big deal and they really mattered and they really made a difference globally. So I think people are sheep and it can be both positive and negative. Uh, my mom was telling me she watches some TV program. I don't know what it's called, but it's based on a woman who's a sheep herder and she has she has a giant, giant flocks. And at some point in the show, this woman was tending the sheep in an area where there was a breach in the wall that they were in. And I guess the crew filmed one sheep jumped through this hole in the wall. And sure enough, all the sheep started following suit. And think about it. These sheep have no idea what's on the other side of that wall, but they just jump happily over just following, right? Being what we call sheep in quotations. Um, and I guess at some point the film crew looked at the woman and she said, well, if one does it, they all will do it. That's how sheep behave. They're just followers all the time. And, you know, again, the sheep didn't know what was on the other side. It could have been a cliff for all they knew. They could have been jumping straight to their deaths. They didn't think about it. They didn't analyze it. They just took the first sheep's word for it and went. Um, They break one of my grandmother's cardinal rules. I think my grandmother saw a lot of really dark things happen. And one of her rules was question everything. And I think it's really smart because number one, it helps you know what you actually believe, the strength of your beliefs. But also, um, she also always used to say, follow the money. Um, If you follow the money and you find out something is completely corrupted, then you know what it is. (laughs) Then you know it's about money. But you know, those sheep are breaking those cardinal rules. We break those cardinal rules pretty much all the time, right? Every day we blindly trust so much, whether it's the food we eat and food sourcing to the drugs we take and the drug companies we trust with our very health and our lives. We are just blind. We blindly trust the news media, you name it. We just like to blindly trust. And it's because Jordan Peterson points this out. Our society is based on trust. You can't really have a functioning society if you don't trust. The problem is, in reality, trust should be earned, not just blindly given. And so when you look and see that certain companies, certain groups of people, even the church historically oftentimes has not been earning people's trust, then they don't deserve your blind trust. So it's good to question things and to make sure they are what they seem to be. I'm really ever more convinced after the last few years that if you can persuade someone of a lie, you will lead them so far astray from even their own core beliefs. And in America, I've been shocked with so many of the freedoms that we have. We quickly have handed them over for the promise of safety. Unfortunately, I believe where we've done this, there was actually a cliff on the other side, and we have plunged into things that we may not know how to come back from. So let's go to some Bible verses before I discuss. So what's what's really important for the believer during times like this is that we know our shepherd's voice because he knows the future. He's the one that can navigate us through difficult times. And he's really the one we should be looking to for answers first and foremost. Yes, we have brains for a reason. Yes, we should use them. But first and foremost, we should be going to our Savior for answers. Okay? But how do we know our Savior's voice? And the Bible does give us a way to know. I think about in the New Testament, there was this group 
called the Bereans. And they were lauded, they were praised because every new idea or every idea that came to them, including the idea of Christ being the Messiah, they tested those teachings against scripture to see if they aligned. And if they didn't, they would throw it out. And they were praised for this activity. So you need to be able to test everything that comes along to scripture. And we find this pattern, we find this rule, basically, that God gives us about testing in Deuteronomy 13. And if you go read Deuteronomy 13, you're going to see the test for a false prophet. And at the very end of that test, it basically says, anyone who leads you astray from my law, because you're supposed to cling to God's laws, you're supposed to cling to his ways. If they teach against what Moses wrote, they are a false teacher, and you have to throw those teachings out. So number one, If the spirit that is telling you to do something is out of alignment with the Torah, with the first five books of scripture, with what Moses wrote, it's automatically a false prophet. If it's out of alignment with what Jesus taught, it's automatically a false prophet. And you can know that by testing it against those things. I'm reminded of 1 John 1, 3 through 7 and 8. It says, Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. The one who does what is righteous is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's works. No one who is born of God will continue to sin, because God's seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning because they have been born of God. Now, this verse isn't trying to tell you that anyone who's ever sinned is a false prophet because we all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But I think it is telling you someone who is living in a sinful way, in a lifestyle, someone who is promoting sin, someone who continues to promote sin or promote that lifestyle, they're going to be a false prophet. We have a lot of people in the pulpit who are teaching against God's laws or who are living in an antithetical way to God's law, and they're likely going to be teaching teaching things that are false. And that is not the voice of Christ. And so you can test that by how they're living. Are they attempting to live? Are they struggling against their sin or are they promoting it? And sadly, we have so many pastors in the pulpit today who promote sinful activity or won't discuss it at all. And that's someone who I think is probably going to be leading people astray instead of leading people towards the Lord. The Bible from start to finish is replete with verses testifying to the need for humble obedience to God's laws as the signposts of true faith and leadership. But this obedience can only come by being actually born again. And it says, if you are born again, you want to stop sinning. You begin the process of aligning yourself with the Lord. You humbly allow Yeshua to change you at the level of your DNA. You become new, newborn, right? It's way easier, by the way, to just jump off the cliff behind the headstrong sheep and to follow the pack because at least then you're not standing out like a sore thumb. At least then you won't be excoriated because you'll be with everybody. But that is not the way of Christ. I often see throughout scripture and just in my observance of believers Yeshua is asking his people to do what is hard, to do what is different, not what is easy, to be in the world, but not of it, to pursue life in him, not life that's about money or fame or popularity, to give when it's hard to give, to sacrifice when nobody else will, to stand even unto martyrdom for him. That doesn't sound like being a sheep 
at all, does it? At least not a sheep of the wrong pasture, okay? Now, there is a good side to being a sheep, and we're, we're gonna get to it. But I think about the morality of society even just 100 years ago. You know, it wasn't always moral, right? And there's lots of places on the planet that were very immoral 100 years ago. I mean, look up some stuff going on in the Weimar Republic before, you know, Nazi Germany formed. There's a really, really negative cultural stuff going on there. But what we watch on TV today is so infused with activity that is disobedient to God. And a hundred years ago would be scandalous to talk about, let alone watch on a daily basis. While sin has absolutely always existed, has it actually been promoted by these small and large boxes in everybody's homes all day long? Has it been normalized by the famous and, and by the politicians? I'm not sure. I'm sure there are time periods in history where we could say yes, but in our country, this sort of sinfulness has never been more prevalent and these ideas have never been more available sadly, to every person, including children. So you can imagine what we are creating by allowing this stuff into our homes. And I think we're just like Israel. We start out willing to obey God's commands, but then abandon them in the face of entertainment and cultural onslaughts and popularity. And I believe America has forgotten its original covenant and the miraculous nature of its birth. You know, think about it. Against all odds, this nation fought the greatest world power with farmers with pitchforks, right? And somehow they overcame them. And this was not a coincidence. You know, God really used this country to lead all sorts of amazing global trends, the trend to democracy, the trend to freedom, the trend to end the global slave trade. All of these things, the United States was used to end a lot of evil on the earth. And I just wonder now that the United States was used to help fulfill biblical prophecy about Israel regaining regaining its nation, which happened in 1948. That was a fulfillment of biblical prophecy. Is God done with America now? Have we been led so far astray that we can't return? Are we the ones leading the rest of the world astray with our exportation of drugs and pornography and money worship and war? I'm not sure. I hope not. I honestly do believe that a return of God's people to be the sheep of his pasture instead of the sheep of Satan's pasture. I do believe that God recognizes that and will heal our land. I'm not sure I'm seeing that totally happen. I'm seeing small pockets of it happen. I hope it really happens, right? That's that's the hope, the prayer, that God would be able to bless our land again. I don't think we're in a time of great blessing right now. Um, and we could talk about that at a different time, what's going on economically and what's going on globally. Um, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure where we're at spiritually now that we've promoted so much sinful ideology. We can talk about some other places in scripture. I mean, it is throughout scripture where our sheepness is kind of exposed. So 1 Corinthians 15, 33, do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals, okay? Who you hang out with absolutely does influence you and you will start behaving like those you are around. Friendships and family matter. Proverbs 13, 20, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Again, who you're around absolutely influences who you are. Proverbs 12, 26, the one who is righteous is a guide to his neighbor, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. Man, the way of the wicked leads them astray. 
it's so easy to be led astray. But if you're righteous and if your neighbor is righteous, you become a guide, you become a map, a signpost into good things, right? I do believe the church's abandonment of core moral issues has led many, many astray. In Acts 15, we see a discussion about what to ask of the Gentiles coming into the faith at the time. And that faith at the time was Judaism. So, you know, this Judaism believed that Christ was the Messiah, but it was Judaism. Um, And it was very foreign to the pagan worship of their gods, right? So there was a lot they had to kind of sift through and differentiate and say, no, that belongs to a different God's worship. To worship this God, the God of the Bible, this is what we need to do. And so they were debating, what do we need to ask them to do first in order to come into the synagogue and be taught the rest. And you see this idea in uh, Acts 15, 21. So there's an assumption after they come up with these first principles that after that, folks will go to church in synagogue on the Sabbath and they'll be read the rest of Moses and they'll understand the next steps of their obedience. But the first steps of their obedience had to do with sexual morality, morality with food choices, and to stop worshiping idols. And so this idea of not defiling your body and not promoting that defilement in the community was really important. Again, because we are sheep. And if you see one person in the community doing it, then that idea becomes rampant in the community. And I bet most churchgoers aren't even really aware that these prerequisites exist. We certainly don't abide by these prerequisites now in our congregations. But these were the ideas that they had when they were trying to bring Gentiles in, pagans in, to the church. So there is another side of the coin, though, that is positive, not negative. And I see this in scripture more, actually, that being a sheep is a good thing when we are part of God's pasture. You know, Jesus says, my sheep know my voice. If you belong to the Lord, you know the voice of your shepherd and you understand his pastures. You discern the truths about jumping out of the sheepfold to go looking for something else. And you don't do it because you trust your shepherd. We are sheep, both good and bad. And it requires a lot of faith to follow Yeshua into difficult and challenging times. Sometimes this faith has to be so full of trust that the world calls it foolishness. But like sheep, we're more willing to enact heavenly wisdom. And we stop caring about the sheep of the other folds, right? Or the goats. You know, there's also this idea of the sheep and the goats, and they get uh, divided in the end. You know, Jesus takes in his sheep and he gets rid of the goats. We don't really care about what the goats think when we're the sheep of Yeshua's pasture. I've seen so many memes lately about being a lonely lion versus a comfortable sheep or being a questioning voice among the sheep. And I like those. I, I think, you know, you have to have a lion heart to follow Christ a lot of the time. But I also, I'm okay with being a sheep if I'm connected to the Lord. And um, I found so often that I'm thrilled to be a little lamb in his arms. As I move forward in obedience, he becomes the defender of my existence, and he holds me close to his heart. He strengthens me to move forward and assists me in my weaknesses. A lot of the time, uh, I don't see my relationship with God this way. A, a lot of the time, I just feel like I'm putting on the armor of God and, and fighting But when I allow him to strengthen my own co-creative existence with his assistance, boy, that battle does belong to him and he knows how to win. I'm held by a father 
a sheep of his pasture. He lays me down in green pastures, right? And in peace and by still waters with a beautiful table set before me. His provision has become my delight. There are moments that we need that. We need just a shepherd, someone who picks us up, someone who's strong enough to assist us with our burdens and to prod us to keep going, to give us rest when we need it and to provide respite from storms and pain. And that's why he gave us the Sabbath, you guys. That's why he gives us community. That's why he gives us food that the planet provides that's always healthy for us when we don't mess it up, when we don't mess with it and destroy it, right? It's good for us. It's why he gives us prayer so that we be connected to him and listen to him. And the physiological benefits of prayer are also there. You know, your heartbeat calms down. You can get into a state where you can really heal. He's given us so many beautiful blessings, and that's what a good shepherd does. So as with much of life, there's a good and bad side to this coin, right? To any coin, but to this coin of being a sheep, there's a good and bad side. If we're the sheep of Yahweh's pasture, then we are not the sheep of the darkness. We're not the goats. We cannot have any fellowship with evil because our shepherd has not led us to follow anything but his ways, which are good. And these are choices we get to make in each moment, which means the next moment can be one where you are a sheep of his pasture. Hopefully this has been an encouragement for you and a reminder to spend some time with the Lord this week to analyze the voice that you're hearing to make sure it aligns with him and his kingdom and to be confident moving forward that you are enacting God's ways, that you're a sheep of God's pasture and that you haven't jumped over a wall into a cliff somewhere. Uh, Thank you for joining me. I'm Rachel Lamaday, and this is the exercises, the spiritual exercises podcast. I will hopefully see you next week.